This morning's scripture reading comes from the book of Romans, chapter 12, verses 1 through 2. If you'd like to follow along in the Black Pew Bibles in front of you, uh, the pages are located on 1801. 1801. Romans, chapter 12, verse 1 through 2. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. This is the word of the Lord. One common questions that we uh, hear from many people is, uh, you know, what, what is success? What does it mean to have a satisfying life? But how we answer that question will dictate as to how we place as priority in our life. Well, the world will say to, uh, and define to success in one way, God also will define it very differently. Well, what is it for some people to, they might think, well, you know, success is just not having any problem at all. Or it might be, to, if I have just a six-digit salary, yeah, that's success, and I'll be satisfied. Or some might say, oh, you know, if I just have a happy family, that would do it. Really, I believe the bottom line for us to be successful and to be satisfied, it really goes back to, are we fulfilling what we are created to do? God created us, specifically, so that we might be able to glorify him. In Isaiah 43, 7, it says, everyone who is called by my name, whom I created for my glory, whom I formed and made. It says, glorify God by acknowledging who he is and praise him and worship him. Not only are we created to glorify God, but we're created to have fellowship, to have personal relationship with him. And we see in 1 Corinthians 1, 9, it says, a God who has called you into fellowship with the Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, is faithful. No one way to glorify God and to, to fellowship, have a relationship with God, uh, also created to serve God, serve others. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, it says, For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Now, really, the bottom line is, and so often we're, you know, we, we've been deceived that uh, life is all about me. But really, 
Life is all about God. Glorify God. Fellowship with God. Serve God. If we want to satisfy life, we need to fulfill those things that we've been called to do. God must not only be an integral part of our life, but we need to be totally committed to him, to the designer of the universe, why he made us. If we don't do that, we're going to miss out and rob ourselves of the very best in life. As we start this new year, may we be willing to be totally committed to the Lord. And we see in our passage this morning, if you turn to Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2, it talks about this total commitment. What is that all about? What, is that, what does that involve? And, and before we kind of jump into this passage, uh, I'd like to just give some background, also some context as to what's going on here. The Apostle Paul, who wrote uh, the Epistle of Romans, uh, he has a, a pattern of uh, writing uh, in a particular way. Normally, to, he uh, spins the first part of the letter talking about doctrine, talking about doctrine. And then the second half in respond to understanding what we believe, uh, he talks about our duty. So in the first half, he, he talks about what we believe. And based on what we believe, it shall affect our behavior, the second half. And that seems to be a tendency of what uh, the pattern uh, that, that he uses as he writes. So we see to here, as we understand God's truth that is presented to us, we need to act upon the truth that we have heard. Now this uh, chapter starts with the word, therefore. And again, whenever we see the word therefore, we need to say, well, therefore what? And actually, this word therefore talks about some sort of conclusion or some sort of result. And, 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 and to, to find that, we need to go before, what, what took place before. And actually, the first 11 chapters, it talks about um, what we believe, the condition of man, that we are sinful, that there's consequences to sin. The Bible explains that the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. And since God is a holy and just God, he, he must punish sin. Either that we have to pay for that penalty or someone else pay that penalty on our behalf. And it's through Christ's work on the cross that we are redeemed. We've been justified. We've been declared righteous, no longer as a sinner. No longer are we condemned. Yet, uh, in our fallen state, sin uh, separates us from God. And it makes it impossible for us to really glorify God for, for the purpose that God has made us. 
but through sacrifice of Jesus Christ, our relationship with God is reconciled. Our sin is forgiven and no longer. And no longer create a barrier between God and, and us. Therefore, the, the very first step in making a commitment to God is to give God our soul. We understand uh, the bountiful grace that God's given to us. Although we deserve to be condemned, yet God saved us. There's really nothing that we can do to gain more of God's love for us. In 2 Corinthians 8, 9, it says that, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that we through his poverty might become rich. You know, we as sinners, we are destined and we deserve to be condemned. We deserve to go to hell. And yet Christ freed us from the bondage of sin. And not only that, but he also adopted us as children of God. Jesus came to identify himself with one of us incarnate in flesh. He lived the perfect life, became a perfect sacrifice so that he might take the penalty that we deserve on his behalf. He not only died, but he rose again, showing that he has victory over sin. And for those that would place their faith in Christ, we are saved. He has made us prince and princes of the king of kings. I, yeah, we, we have heard this many times, concerned about the gospel. But if we really think about it, it really, really blows my mind. And this, this is a demonstration of his mercy. And we see this in verse 1 here. It says, therefore, I urge you, brethren, in view of God's mercy, to offer your body as living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. And this is your spiritual act of worship. Basically, a summary of the, the first 11 chapter, when, when Paul says, therefore, what was he making conclusion? He's talking about God's mercy. It is out of God's mercy out of his compassion for man, for us. It causes him to forego what man deserves, which is punishment, eternal condemnation. That's what we deserve. He says, I'm going to forego that instead to give us what we do not deserve. That's forgiveness. It's hard for us to really, I, I can't, Grab that because we're 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 such wretched sinners. And God demonstrated his mercy upon us. So may we take that first step in our relationship with God. 
by giving God our soul, thanking him for dying for us, saving us. Christ suffered so that we don't have to suffer. And the greater our comprehension of what God has done for us, the greater our commitment will be. We need to understand, we really think through this of his mercy for us. God gave himself for us in order for us to give ourselves to him. See, the key to, to a satisfying life is not receiving more from God, but really is giving more to God. It's really about giving understanding all that he has given to us already. Not only are we to give God our soul, but the second step is to, for total commitment is to give God our body. In view of God's mercy, Paul urges his readers to offer up their bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This word urge is, is, is a strong, passionate word of exhortation where he was earnestly appealing to the believers there to offer up the body to the Lord, recognizing what he has done already, all, the, all that he has explained in the first 11 chapter. This, this is really a reasonable response to the cancellation of eternal judgment to us. That's very reasonable for us to offer up our bodies back to him. Paul's urging the believers to act on this truth about God's mercy on us. That we offer ourselves back to the Lord. We are saved so that we might be able to serve him. That's one of, one of the purposes. If we're, going to be, if we're going to have a satisfied life of success, this is understanding our purpose here. here the word offer is a technical term used for ritual presentation of sacrifices. You see, in the Old Testament, there's two kinds of sacrifice. They're recorded in Leviticus chapter 1 to 5. The first group of sacrifices is called the sweet savor sacrifice. Sweet aroma sacrifice. Now these sacrifices are sacrifices of gratitude. You probably heard about the burnt offering. What is that? Well, there's, there's a couple other grain offering and fellowship offering. These are, these are um, sweet, savor offering to God. It's, it's, a, it's, offer, it's, it's a sacrifice of gratitude. It's recognizing who God is and what he has done for us, that, that, that the people offer up a sacrifice back, thanking God in appreciation to him. 
The second kind of sacrifice is um, a non-sweet savor sacrifice. Here, the the sacrifice is for sin. The two kinds, sin offering, the guilt offering, and it's mandatory. Whereas the first group is voluntary. You you don't have to, but but out of your gratefulness to God, recognizing what he has done for us, that we we, we want to praise him and and honor him and, and we offer up this gratitude sacrifice. On the other hand, we see the sin offering because of our sin. In order for us to, to, to be renewed in our relationship with God, we need to offer up the sin and guilt offering mandatory in order for us to reestablish our relationship with God. And we see that um, we really no longer need to offer up any more sin offering or sin sacrifice because Jesus Christ has paid for our sin once and for all. And as we offer ourselves as a living sacrifice, it is an offering of a, a, a sacrifice of gratitude. It's understanding who God is, what He has done for us. That it's like offering a burnt offering. Like God, you're awesome. I want to acknowledge how you have provided, how you protected me. And and, and this sacrifice is a is an act of worship to God. Notice that the Apostle Paul did not say. To, to the believers to make a sacrifice, but instead to be a sacrifice. Very different. You're the sacrifice, a living sacrifice. And as we understand more clearly of, of, of the mercy of God and what he has done for us and, and how we were condemned and he, he has made us to be children of God, it should be natural for us. It should be a reasonable thing for us to do. To offer up ourselves as living sacrifice, as in, in gratitude and appreciation of what he has done for us. We're to offer our bodies, it says. The body speaks about our whole being, our, our emotions, our mind, our thoughts, our desires. It talks about the total person is our body, which is an instrument by which all of our service is given to God. It speaks about a willingness to surrender to Him. All of our hopes, our plans, and everything that might be precious to us. And Judy gave it to us. He entrusted it to us. And basically giving back says, I want you to be in control of all of this. I mentioned earlier about uh, Elder John Joe. I have greatest respect for him. I've known him almost 30 years now. 
He just has a, a real passion for missions. Two years ago, he felt God uh, was leading him uh, to, uh, to, to get out of a very secure medical profession. Uh, he was at that time an executive, uh, he has an executive position with Baylor Hospital. He also had special contracts with NASA. Yet God was calling him to quit all of that and to do business overseeing in rich areas for the kingdom of God. Wow, that's, that's like, wow. At the time, he had two children in private university and also one that was in private high school. Yet he took a step of faith and resigned from his jobs, waiting for God to open up business doors overseas. For an extended period of time, there wasn't anything going on. There was nothing going on. And he questioned a little bit, is this the right decision that he has made? Uh, that was total commitment to God. He not only gave to his soul, but he gave his, his body, his, his, his total being, his plans, his hopes, his dreams. And then during the last uh, six to eight months, God started got started to connecting people to in unrich people in unrich areas all over the world with John. Doors are opened and many wonderful opportunities of ministries are beginning to come to a reality. God has a plan for each one of us. When we are willing to make ourselves available to God, to do what he wants us to do, then some amazing things happen. Amazing things. We are to offer ourselves up as living sacrifice. When we talk about sacrifice, it talks about surrendering. Surrendering ourselves to the Lord is putting the Lord first in our life, is, is making him a high priority. That's total commitment. That might mean to giving up something precious to us, or what appear to be precious to us, in order to put the Lord first. What appear to be costly to sacrifice or turn into great joy. question I pose to you this morning is what kind of trade-off are you willing to make? It's not only a sacrifice, but it says it's a living sacrifice. Living speaks of uh, God uh, does not want lethargic service, but he wants active, energetic service. And we're motivated. It's not out of obligation, but out of joy. Another description of this service is, is holy. Holy meaning is set apart. That the service are to not look like what the world looks like. 
Many times, uh, why we do certain things for our own personal gain. But we need to be, it's a holy sacrifice. It's, it's set apart. It's different from what the world says. It's not about us. It's about our Lord. In addition, the sacrifice ought to be pleasing to God or acceptable to God. And sometimes as we serve God, what appear to be acceptable to God might not necessarily be acceptable to man. And sometimes our service, what might appear to be acceptable to man, might not be acceptable to God. A verse that comes to my mind is in Galatians chapter 1, verse 10. It says, am I now trying to win the approval of man or of God? Or am I trying to please men? If I was still trying to please men, I would not be a servant of God. Well, we have looked at uh, the first step in total commitment where it requires us giving God our soul. We looked at the second step of giving God our body. The third step uh, requires us giving God our mind. We see this in verse 2, Romans 12, chapter 2. And it says, do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Whether we are aware of it or not, we are in a war zone where Satan is doing all that he can to distract us, to distort things to deceive us, and definitely he's out to destroy us. He will make things that look good on the outside, but on the inside is deadly. Too often we're tricked by selecting short-term satisfaction over long-term satisfaction. Here in verse 2, again, Apostle Paul says, do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world. I liked how uh, J.B. Phillips translates uh, this section in a more modern term. He says, don't let the world squeeze you into its mold. Don't be shaped or molded by the schemes of this world. Satan's working overtime to win us over to his sign. You see, Satan is in control of this world. Scripture says in 1 John 5, 19, it says, we know that we are children of God and that the whole world is under the control of the evil one. Satan we use every means to trick and deceive us to believing in his schemes, in his so-called worldview. It's in the present imperative 
which means it is a command. It says not to conform. In other words, stop conforming. Stop being shaped in mold and squeeze and don't do it anymore. Don't do it because it's damaging and destroying your life. You see, Satan is giving false promises. What appear good on the outside is really not that good. Well, how are we going to not conform to the pattern of this world? Well, Paul answers that later on in that verse. He says, by renewing our mind. So total commitment requires us giving God our mind. You see, when we were unbelievers, we live in the world and adapt to the earthly worldview where Satan is in control. He's ruling. He's directing. It's easy for us to kind of sucked into, oh, this is what the culture, society, and the world is saying. But after we become a Christian, we need to come out of that mindset. Where at one time, depravity grew as norm. Where the worldview shape and mold us. And we need to renew our mind. We need to change things up. We need to have a biblical worldview, which is based upon scripture, not of the world. Because it is in the scripture where we find God's truth. May we uphold God's truth instead of Satan's lies. May we be able to distinguish it too. Just instead of conforming to the schemes of this age, we're to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. Now that verb there, be transformed, is a passive voice. Passive meaning that the subject is receiving the action. This transformation must be done by someone else to us to be transformed. And this someone else, I believe, is referring to the Holy Spirit. See, one of the responsibilities of the Holy Spirit is to teach us and to remind us of what we have learned from Scripture. In John 14, 26, it says, But the Counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and remind you of everything that I have said to you. Oh, may we submit to the Holy Spirit will bring the renewing of our mind by using Scripture. Now, this, this word um, transform is actually where we get the word metamorphosism. Yeah. This speaks about a changed form. And we're probably most familiar with the illustration of a caterpillar um, transforming into a beautiful butterfly. 
That caterpillar has changed its form totally. And it's a gradual process as it goes from a caterpillar to a beautiful butterfly. While the butterfly is in the cocoon, uh, its wings are being developed. And uh, while butterflies in the cocoon, you see all this movement back and forth, and the wings are being developed, and, and, and there's some hard work in, 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 in strengthening the, the, the wings. If we uh, interrupt that process, the butterfly will not survive. In the same way, as we look at our Christian uh, life, we're, we're wrestling between our own nature, which is controlled by uh, our, our, our own mindset, dominated by the depravity of man. And God said, well, we're no longer slaves to our own nature anymore. We have a new nature. It was controlled by righteousness, by, by our Lord Jesus and through this wrestling match, is truly un- try to understand who we are and what Christ has done for us. And there are times that we, through that process, we wrestle. And there might be questions that we might have about our faith. And it's good that we challenge us to really think through what we really believe. How that might affect our life. Um, last week, I was talking to a, a mother. She came up to me, and she was just really concerned about her teenager son. She was saying, well, my son grew up in the church all his life. Now, he is questioning his faith. And I... I I told her, I said, um, well, that could be a concern, but it could be a good thing, too. He's wrestling with what he believes. He's not just accepting it, you know, just not not even thinking about it. And we see various members that grow up in the church, yeah, 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 that's correct, but not even thinking through what they really believe, why they believe what they believe. You know, truth is truth. We, we, we don't, we're not scared about that. But we need to think through. We need to wrestle through that. And, and, and through this process, we have transformation. Embracing the new nature. And not allowing the old nature to rule over us. Renewing. Renewing our mind. Instead of being conformed to the present evil age, believers are to be transformed into the image of God. See, in Romans chapter 8, verse 29, it says that we as believers, our ultimate goal is to be conformed to the likeness of God's Son. We are being changed into another person that resembles Christ. That when others see us, they don't see us only, but they see who our master is. 
This is an internal transformation by the Holy Spirit. When we are renewed. Well, how is this renewing of our mind actually take place? Renewing our mind um, speaks of thinking like how Christ would think in those different circumstances we might be in. It's seeing through Christ's perspective instead of the worldly perspective. Believers must be transformed and changed inwardly. Not only our mind needs to change and renew our hearts too. The mind of man has been affected by sin. And that change can only be done through Scripture, which is where we find truth. We're to think differently from the world. It's critical for us to know God's word well and to practice it. To renew our mind, we need to spend regular time in Scripture. May it become a habit. We all know that uh, we are to spend consistent time with the Lord. For some of us, we wrestle with that. May not be as regular. But there's one thing that I would challenge all of us as we start a new year with new res- new resolutions. Is is to get into the Word. There's no shortcut in renewing our mind. There's no shortcut in in how we really live in a more victorious life, how, how we can no longer conform to the pattern of this world and being squeezed and molded by the world. We, we, we need to understand the biblical worldview. As we commune with God, it's more important that we spend regular time than trying to spend massive amount of time whatever we're doing, uh, allocate regular time. What's best is to allocate um, a specific time, place that we can have it. And I challenge um, us to do so, and some of us might already be doing so, and we need to um, be stretching the word. I challenge you to read through the whole New Testament this year. Or a bigger challenge, read through the whole Bible. And may we not only read for information, but to read for transformation. 
We, we have talked about giving God our souls, giving our body and our mind. And the fourth step is in total commitment is giving God our will. We need to understand what God's will is for us. In verse 2, it says, Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. May we seek to find what his will is, and, and, and then we need to adjust our will to his. And too often we tend to go to God's will, we got it all figured out. Give me a rubber stamp. This is what I, I you know, I spend a lot of time on this. But may we to seek his will. And the Lord, in God's Lord's uh, prayer, he says, Hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. May we commit ourselves to God totally. And the greater our comprehension of what God has done for us, the greater our commitment will be. And God gave himself for us in order for us to give ourselves to him. Life is not about us, but it's about God. May we be overwhelmed by God's mercy and how he has offered up himself to pay for our sins. And may we offer our body as a living sacrifice it's a way of showing our appreciation for him. For total commitment uh, requires us giving to God our soul, our body, our mind, and our will. Let's pray. God, we owe our lives to you, and Lord, um, as we start a new year, it's a great opportunity for us to... Um, Take a step back and see what you have done for us. And out of a heart of gratitude that we offer our bodies as a living sacrifice to you, Lord. We pray in Christ's name.